Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting here with my friend, Will Baumgartner. Will, how are you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Just good, man. Can we get to great here? What do you think? <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, we can get to great. We'll amp it up. Uh, All right. Yeah. I like that. All right. So we, we at least planted the seed. So we're going to get there today. So really yeah. appreciate it. It's Friday the 13th. We, we survived the full moon. You know, we, uh, we have, as you listen to this later times, there's, uh, you know, the coronavirus running around, but we're doing all right. Um, so, well, it's good. Absolutely... We're, we're doing great. We're doing great. I'll take great. Yeah. I mean, you always got to remember the good things that are going on in the midst of craziness, for sure. It's definitely absolutely crazy times that we live in. And uh, we're, we're both talking about quarantining ourselves and things like that. But it's great <laughs> to have technology to be able to have a fantastic conversation here and share that with the world. And so I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And welcome back to Elevate Nation because it's time to take it to another level. I know I'm ready to do that. I know Will is too. He's ready to go from good to great to extraordinary and beyond. And I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And this is where you learn the mindset, the habits, the routine, systems, tools, strategies, and so much more from those who are elevating to a life without limits so you can do the same or even more for yourself. And this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And we certainly have the master with us today and Will Baumgartner in so many different capacities. And I know that for sure because I've known him for so long, but I want to do a little bit of housekeeping before we dive in. If you appreciate what we're doing on the show, certainly please you know, hit that subscribe button. Uh, give us a rating. A five-star rating would be fantastic. We would certainly appreciate that. A review. What are you getting from the show? What are you applying to your own life, your own business to create uncommon results? And so with that said, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to Will. So Will is the chief of staff of Venture First, which is a regional financial services firm in Louisville, Kentucky. He has an extensive experience in the e-commerce industry, holding roles where he is ultimately responsible for the finance function uh, of three fulfillment centers and over 230 million in operating capital expenses. And let me back up because I think I actually missed a uh, a line here. I'm actually going to start over on your bio. (laughs) Will is the chief chief of staff of Venture First, which is a regional financial services firm. He has extensive experience in the e-commerce industry, holding roles in finance, strategy, and operations. Will started his career with Zappos.com, a subsidiary of Amazon.com, where he was ultimately responsible for the finance function of three fulfillment centers and over $230 million in operating and capital expenses. He has strong expertise in financial planning and analysis, financial modeling, operations, and corporate strategy. Will attended the University of Louisville, where he received his degree in finance. Will currently serves on the board of directors for the UofL Alumni Association and works with other local organizations to strengthen his community. And and that's really where Will and I got to know each other. And so with that said, Will, 
Thank you so much for being on the show today. Tell us a little bit more about Will Baumgartner behind the bio as a man. Yeah, nice. Uh, I was sitting here listening to the bio and I was like, man, I sound kind of boring. Um, so, uh, Not at all. no, um, born and raised in, in Lexington and then attended school in U of L, which would maybe be somewhat controversy for those folks that don't know uh, the, the lovely rivalry we have. Um, had a blast in college uh, and really learned how to lead and work with people and, and that I really enjoyed that. Um, also, you know, serving the analytical side of the brain uh, with finance and numbers, um, really found a, a passion there with mapping things out and modeling, uh, which led to uh, Zappos. Then uh, fast forward from there, served on the kind of transition team uh, where Amazon came in and uh, it doesn't make sense to have two companies shipping the same thing. So uh, we uh, ultimately decided that uh, Amazon was not the right move. Went out to California, uh, somewhat found uh, myself out there, uh, realized um, there's a lot more to life than like work uh, and ended up connecting with uh, a guy named John Shoemate who uh, started a, a company uh, and I ended up moving back to Kentucky to be the first employee uh, of a, uh, a then at that time a cancer patient and a company of two people um, so worked with John we kind of grew up venture first to where it is outside of work um, done a couple of Ironman triathlons uh, really active and you know staying in, staying in shape having fun um, hopefully, well, not hopefully this year, uh, we'll get married to, uh, my partner of five years. Pretty excited about that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the gist. Um, I love it. Work, love, fun, you know, call it a day. So work, love, fun, call it a day. That's, uh, that actually says a lot. And, um, you know, I think one thing, a lot of our listeners, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing the boundaries to every sort of you know, every limit that, you know, folks said that we had, right. And we're pushing it beyond those limits. And, you know, I think the comment that you made there in terms of there's a lot more to life than work is something that probably speaks to a lot of those folks, right. You know, what would you, yeah. how would you expand on that thought? I mean, what, what was that process for you in terms of, you said, finding yourself when you went out to California, you know, what, how did you, <laughs> how did you arrive on that concept? yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, um, so as a gay man, I defined myself with work, um, for a really long time. Cause I, I wasn't comfortable with who I was on the inside. Um, so, uh, you know, when I fresh out of school, um, was still not honest about who I was. And so I devoted all of that misfit energy, uh, if you will, into, uh, being the best possible at the time financial analyst that I could. And uh, I think I got so focused on work that I lost sight of, you know, life outside of work. And so for me, moving to California was, was such a blessing because, uh, you know, kind of got thrown into a world of, oh, there's way more people like me and it is embraced and holy shit, that person is really successful. And um, the fact that they're gay doesn't even really matter. Um, actually, I 
it's not even a thought for people out here, um, which at the time this was, oh man, um, seven, eight years ago. So, you know, Kentucky was maybe not the most progressive place to be, um, but certainly not a bad place. And so that was a really a, a big turning point in my life of like, okay, if I am, am comfortable in my own skin and accept who I am, like how much more to life is there outside of just working? Um, and let me be clear, I, I still really like to work. Um, and, and we still work hard and a lot, but um, I don't define myself by that anymore, which, um, which was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of growth there uh, out in, in California in a quick amount of time. So I think there's a lot to be said about defining yourself with work because of maybe other wounds that you may, may or may not even be aware of. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said with that. And just, you know, the fact that you weren't necessarily deep down comfortable with who you were and you sort of covered that up with just going after it every single day from oh, a yeah. professional standpoint. I mean, so how did that shift, you know, when you actually started to feel more comfortable about who you were as a person, you know, through feeling more accepted, what did that shift do to you? Um, hard to quant, like put in words. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I've, I've never really thought about that, but I think looking back at it, it just, it, when you're, when you are comfortable and, and you're and confident in yourself and you present to the outside world as your authentic self, um, if anything, it, it just shed a layer of just shit that I had to, that I unnecessarily put myself through every day on the, you know, waking up and trying to present this image um, of, of somebody that who you're not um, in every facet of life. And so I think for me, it, it was, it was just a weight removed and like, okay, how awesome and, and how fortunate am I now that I can show up as my authentic self and, um, and then, and, and pursue what I want to do without having the extra layer of, um, of bullshit and, and, you know, trying to fit in. And, um, yeah, if anything, it was, it's less exhausting. Um, you know, cause by the time I got to that point, it was, it was exhausting. Um, it was, uh, so that was a good, a good shift, you know I mean? Just, you can be comfortable and be who you are and, uh, life is, is so much easier. Um, yeah. I think there's so much power behind just being authentic to who you are oh. and not only just feeling better about your life and just enjoying your life more and having more joy and, you know, carefree sort of nature. But also I, I believe that the energy that you bring to other people also changes. Did you feel that when you started to become more authentic to who you really were? hundred oh. percent. I mean, I think there's, there's so many facets of an individual, right. That make up their, their personality. And I think I've, I've always been, um, very upbeat and happy and, um, in the energy that I bring, I, I try to, um, you know, leave, even if it's a room of people or a, a coffee meeting or whatever it is, leave, leave something better than how you found it. And I think that's, um, for me, sometimes it's with, even just the vibe, right? That like the energy that you bring, um, you know, there's a, I don't know, 
I love conversations on podcasts because they go all kinds of places. But um, there's a, an individual that used to work up in the coffee shop right above our, um, our office. And, you know, the energy in the morning as she's slinging coffees uh, was sometimes, you know, a little, a little not bright, if we should say. And so I was like, you know, man, I'm going to, I'm going to break through this. We're going to, we're going to make this, uh, we're going to change the energy coming out. And, uh, you know, I think just showing up day in and day out of like, Hey, how's your morning? How's it going? Um, and, and not being, but again, being authentic. Cause I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to go through life and not enjoy interactions or, or have that, um, you know, positive energy, um, you certainly can't change somebody's mindset, but you can show up how you present. And I think, uh, and I'm happy to say that, you know, now it's probably one of my favorite people. We chit chat all the time and, uh, it's, it's been a great change, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just the, the energy that you bring, you can, you can show up and, and bring something different and leave that. I, I think that that's something that you can do. So. I think it's really cool that anybody listening to the show, you know, they may know deep down, it's like, man, I'm not really showing up as my authentic self in whatever way it is. And to realize that how much freedom and how much joy and how much more success potentially is on the other side of just releasing that and just showing up who you are without any qualms. Cause look, there's probably somebody else who's got a similar story or a similar, you know, feeling towards, you know, maybe not wanting to be authentic in whatever way that is. So I just think that, uh, you know, I really appreciate you sharing uh, that. It's huge. Can be in. Yeah. I mean, again, I, th- I think I said, there's so many different facets to somebody's personality and your identity as an individual. And I think one of the things that's very prevalent is in work, right? I mean, we were mm-hmm. talking about work, but, um, being able to be your true self at work or, um, leveraging your strengths, right? This is uh, something I am not a master at and, and still um, trying to figure out of um, how do I bring to the table my strengths and, and, and what that helps the organization, what my strengths can help drive the organization forward. Um, but then on the flip side of that, being comfortable and knowing that, okay, uh, I, uh, this is not one of my strengths and I need to ask for help or, uh, you know, I need to find somebody else to, to work on this, or maybe I need to get into a, uh, a different role. Um, so I think there's tons of different things about not, uh, about being authentic and, and showing up, um, all kinds of different areas of life. So for sure. Yeah. And, and just having self-awareness for what your strengths and your weaknesses are and starting to identify, well, what do I need to ask for help on? Right. And, you know, one of the ways that you and I really got to know each other is really like kind of stubbing our toe and bumping our head and becoming leaders, right. In an organization yeah. in, uh, in college, right. As, as fraternity men. And it's funny to even think back on as in terms of, it seems like a, such a, such a silly thing to even say, but I know that I learned so much in that sort of yeah. um, capacity um, and still drawing experiences as, you know, being a president of a fraternity and, and you did it before me. But the reason why I bring that up is because I think there's so much that we can talk about in terms of leadership. But before we sure. dive into that, I'd love to know, you know, was there a moment in your life where you just said like, you know what, I'm going to be uncommon. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do whatever I can to, to live a great life, to, to be the highest version of myself. Because 
I've, you're, you're an uncommon type of an individual. I mean, you've always struck me to be that way. Was it because you were maybe to a certain degree inauthentic for a while and kind of hiding that identity or was there something else? And I, I don't know, I, maybe I'm going down too many paths and making too many assumptions, but just curious. Um, well, Hey, thank you for, for the comment of that. Um, Absolutely. I, $20. I think... You can turn that over. <laughs> Nice, nice referral fees. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, I. It's funny. I've never um, thought of myself as as uncommon. Uh, in but now, I guess early on in life, um, and a couple of different things that that come to mind with that question. Um, so I remember in college uh, working at the Kentucky State Fair, slinging some corn dogs. Uh, for wow. a family friend who I actually ended up uh, uh, last year, not even a year ago was my last year because we ended up selling the boost. But, um, you know, this was, it was 10 days out of the year. You're out at a concession stand um, selling corn dogs, lemonade, and Cokes, right? And a, a family friend of ours was the owner of the boost. And so I had he had asked if, or my older brother uh, had worked for Harold um, for a couple of years before. And so it was just kind of a, for me, it was like, oh, a great way to make some cash getting ready for the school year. And I remember this conversation so vividly because it was a crazy, crazy Friday night or uh, Friday day. And I was supposed to be off at five for the next shift. And I was like, you know, oh, hey, Harold, like, if I need to, like, I'm happy to stay and, and help because I know it's been nuts. And he looked at me and he was like, go home because I'm going to need you tomorrow. But I know that you would stay. And I kind of looked at him and he was like, you don't understand this yet. He was like, but you work hard and you like to work hard. Not everybody feels that way. And I was like, okay, I mean, uh, whatever. And it just went totally over my head because I – I was just how I like to work. Like I, I find great joy and satisfaction in a hard day's work. Um, and so now having um, gone through the fraternity experience and, you know, managed uh, trying to manage some uh, fraternity men. And then, you know, early on as a, um, a young manager at, at Zappos and Amazon and it, with venture first um, we have 30 employees now. And so, um, you know, not all of them that started with us are still with us. Um, and so that I realized that that was uncommon and, um, you know, what started that drive, I think is, is honestly like just my parents, like I was afraid to not work hard cause I was afraid to disappoint them. So call that good old Catholic guilt from, uh, from my mother. But, um, but then I think I, as I've gotten older, um, I see what it, what the other side of, of discomfort looks like. And that's where, that's where you live. Um, you know, and it, ugh, this podcast is coming at such a good time because I think the last couple months of work have just been, it's been hard, very hard. And so, uh, it's always funny when we, when you come up for air a little bit and talk about what you do and not just do it, you're like, Oh yeah, we are doing hard stuff. Like I should be tired. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's where the magic happens. And, um, you know, I think, um, 
another great example of this personally was back in October, um, we went with a couple of folks from work and then another, and then um, there was a group of eight of us that ended up hiking Kilimanjaro. And uh, all eight of us summited, which not everybody does. Uh, and there was a moment, so I had, I had another goal for last year to have a PR and a half Ironman. And um, really, but the goal was not so much the time, it was to commit to the consistency that leads to the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was, for the first time, Jacob, my partner was like, you know, impressed that I was waking up and hitting all my workouts because I very much had never done that. So I was in, I was in pretty good shape and it's the last day of, of, or we're on the attempt to summit. And I remember being like, oh, oh shit. Like I'm going to have to call a helicopter to come get me off the side of this mountain. Like I can't take another freaking step. And, uh, I, I sat with that for a while and like, but kept taking steps. And then like the sun came up, you start your summit at midnight. So you summit at like 7am in the morning. And like, if I had given up in that little bit of moment, then the whole rest of the trip, like you would have missed all of that. And so I think, um, you know, for me, I love, I love working hard because that brings discomfort. But on, on the other side of that, I think is where, you know, I don't want to say life begins. That sounds very cliche, but um, you know, it's where, it's where experiencers are made and, and, you know, things that, Oh, I'll remember that day for a lifetime. Well, nobody said that after a really easy day of anything. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just think I just, I don't know I enjoy working hard. It's probably why I got into triathlons because I'm a, you know, whatever the appropriate term for uh, love suffering, but um, yeah, you on the other side of it, life is awesome. So are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year? I mean, now, because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level, and to elevate to a life without limits, exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I mean, I, I kid you not, I had chills when you said that that's where the magic happens, the other side of discomfort, mm. you know, the other side of discomfort is where the magic happens. And I literally wrote it down that I got chills when you said that because I know it's true. And, yeah, you know, man. it's, it's really interesting because, you know, when you're, your head's down, I don't know about you, but I still complain about the hard work. I still do. I mean, within my <laughs> own head. And externally, I know you and I have had conversations about this. Yes. It's like, man, things suck right now or whatever it is. But then when you kind of come up for air and you start to see how we actually have made some progress when it feels like actually you haven't, you know, every day in and day out, it's like, we're going backwards, we're failing, you know, I'm like, I'm screwing up, I have no clue what I'm doing. But it is this weird thing and this weird satisfaction about, you know, kind of going beyond that discomfort and becoming something more 
that's what strikes me about you too, is that not only do you work hard professionally and just revel in that and, you know, but you do it personally as well, whether it's through triathlons or, you know, so many different things, whether you're a volunteer for a different organization. I mean, you're always mm -hmm. pushing to the limits. It's like you got brought into it, you know, maybe to kind of hide a little bit of who you truly were as a person or maybe kind of hide your own psyche from who you thought you shouldn't be as a person. But then it like took you in this path that really kind of became like your identity. Your identity now is a is a hardworking individual who then gets to enjoy the uh, the magic on the other side. Would you agree with yeah. that? Maybe I'm making an assumption there. No. Um, yeah, I think that um, I think it's so interesting um, with well, one of the things that I you know you see in, in and a phrase that's really popular is like, it gets better, right? Especially with, um, you know, gay youth that, that have above average suicide rates and um, homelessness and, and all this. And um, I've never made the connection of working hard through like my youth to get to this point now, but um, it's a good parallel. And I think that, you know, um, I, I'm a sucker for like a good, like sappy, tv show movie whatever where like the kid that gets picked on in high school then becomes like the powerful ceo or whatever it is but i think it's true for a reason you know i mean you i think you don't understand who you are as a person until you experience and get through some type of adversity um and um yeah so no to to draw that parallel um I've never thought about that, but, um, yeah, kind of makes sense. Super interesting. So are you the type of person who seeks adversity and, you know, like the whole, the whole concept of the obstacle is the way or what have you, or if not, or if so, what other, you know, things, you know, types of adversity have you faced otherwise, you know, over the past few years? Yeah. Um, I very much think that the obstacle is the way. Um, and, you know, um, I, I have a planner that has all kinds of fun little, you know, quotes to get you going every day, but, um, you know, do, do one hard thing every day. And I mean, I think that's a, that's another thing that, or motto that I love. Um, you know, that's why I love once I, I, I do get out of bed in the morning, um, which some days is a, I'm not going to lie, is a struggle more than others. I'm not that person that's like, woo, 5 a.m., let me pop out of bed and, and roll. But um, no, I, I love having like a hard workout in the morning or um, something to where you feel accomplished and, and get going. Um, and I think that, yeah, you know, the usually the thing that you don't want to do, like, this is really with me in business right now with the, with the company and, and kind of my role of um, with people and, and kind of the day-to-day -day operations. Like the thing that makes you most uncomfortable and that you don't want to do the most is probably the thing that you should do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is, is a pretty guiding principle that, that I've used when, you know, uh, when it's gotten tough. So um, yeah, I think that, that adversity shows you a path forward. And, you know, that's not to say that um, I don't love like a nice, easy Saturday morning um, kind of thing. But, 
yeah, I think the adversity is a good, uh, a good way to show you mayor. It's telling you you should focus on that for some reason. So, yeah, well, and I, I kind of feel like the nice, easy Saturday morning is so much nicer when you've faced that adversity throughout the week and you've done the one hard thing every day or however many hard things it may be. I don't know about you, but I just feel behind if I'm just relaxing and if I'm enjoying that nice, easy Saturday morning, if I didn't sort of earn that or whatever it may be, maybe that's just me. Yeah, um, no, makes sense. Yeah. So talk to me about, uh, about what you guys are doing with venture first. I mean, obviously you guys are pushing yeah. the limits and, and doing big things. So what's, uh, um, what's the uncomfortable thing right now with, with venture first? Cool. Um, if there was only one hard thing to do every day, I would, I'd be a really happy camper. <laughs> um, no, so, so venture first, we, uh, so John Shoemates, our, our CEO founder started it, um, really as a valuation group. Um, and I, I use the word group lightly because it was just him in a hospital bed um, as he uh, fought um, uh, lymphoma. Uh, and so John grew, grew the, the book of business to more than he could service it, um, hired me as a valuation analyst. Um, but I saw the opportunity to, and, and John helped paint that picture to, to come in and build a company. Um, and so venture first, we, we've gone from, and we continue to do valuation work. Um, I, I love telling people that uh, two things, if I'm the smartest person in the room or at the table, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm at the wrong table. Um, and so we were able to go out and find talent that was way better at us than doing valuations and, and bring them in and equip them to do their job well, uh, which freed us up to focus on kind of what we call now CFO services. So, um, Venture First services firm, valuations, uh, CFO service. So we help growing companies um, with accounting, finance, um, you know, strategic financial leadership that you would have in, as a CFO. Um, through that work, we got to know a lot of uh, investors in these high growth companies, um, mainly, you know, a lot of high net worth individuals, um, a couple of institutional investors realized that there was a need for service to investors as well. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at now is, is um, with Venture First, we, our goal is to, uh, to build an ecosystem of services around that entrepreneur that is fostering innovation. Um, and, and that could be innovation in any industry facet. Um, but, you know, I think if you talk to anybody at Venture First, they believe that innovation is, is what drives us forward. Um, and, you know, funny it goes on, which is hard, right, on the adversity side. Mm -hmm. um, so if we can help build an ecosystem of services to, to foster that growth and, and breakthroughs faster, that's what we wanna do. So on the client side, um, have services around that. On the investor side, looking at ways to um, better connect folks. And so we've set up a couple of funds of our own, which has um, been exciting. So there's a, a mass uh, self-storage fund. Um, we have a whiskey lending fund. So we were CFO and, and continue to be CFO for a couple of distilleries. Um, they're having very hard time getting just working capital. Um, so banks, Super happy to loan for construction or equipment, 
right? Because they can take that collateral back. Um, but hey, I just need more money to put more juice in the barrel. Um, they were having to sell equity, which is very expensive in the long run. So in service to kind of both sides, this was our first move with investors that, hey, I want to park some capital in something maybe a little different. So an alternative investment, um, hey, client that needs cash, well, we can make that happen. So we launched a whiskey lending fund. And then what's hard now, uh, we are working on launching our, our own venture fund. Um, so to uh, TBD, but uh, have some soft commitments and, and we're really excited to, to be able to kind of have that next evolution of the, of the business. Well, the theme of our conversation so far has really been adversity. And I love the thought, um, you know, that innovation is what drives your company forward. And being innovative is really another adversity seeking sort of, you know, tactic or, or action or behavior. And so, you know, I, I love the thought about, all right, we weren't able to identify, you know, debt opportunities for bourbon companies, you know, on a, mm -hmm. on a large scale. And so the innovative thought of, let's create a fund where investors are looking for opportunities, especially in this current marketplace, you know, folks are looking to place capital and what better way to capitalize on the, you know, bourbonism and the boom of bourbon global growth there. And these companies are having a practical problem. So, you know, innovation doesn't always have to be, you know, Elon Musk, you know, let's, let's, you know, colonize Mars. Yep. So I think it's a great thought of like, you know, there's how many, how many other innovative thoughts can you, apply to what you're doing. Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, no, it's, it's just trying to find a, a, a new way to solve a problem, right? I mean, that's all we're, it's all we're doing. Um, and I think, you know, our role in that is, um, yeah, building that ecosystem and, and nurturing it and fostering it to, to make those, to make those things happen faster. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah. So as a leader yourself, um, you know, you're growing, you're pushing, you know, this company as well. Obviously, you're doing innovate, innovative things in terms of facilitating an ecosystem in the organization itself. You know, you've got to build that infrastructure, right? So talk to me about how does that look as a leader of a rapidly growing organization? I mean, what, what have you had to develop yourself in terms Whoa. of a leader? Um, a lot of... A lot of patience. Uh, um, no, I, it, to go from you know two people um, to to thirty, um, I think there's a there's a thing in, in the tech world called developer fatigue, right? So these developers will go out and they'll build this beautiful um, website, system, app, whatever it is, and almost by the time that they're done then there's like this whole round of changes that need to happen. And they're like, Oh, but my, my baby, I just launched it. It's beautiful. We're like, no, your baby's ugly because this is now old and we need to do this. And so it's just that constant rebuilding. And I think that, um, you know, in a team that goes from two to four to 10 to 30, um, certainly people have done that faster than we have. But I think one of the big challenges is, um, the systems and the processes in place that worked for even 10 people do not work for 30 people. And that worked for an office in one city do not work for an office in five cities. Um, so 
you know, that's been a big challenge. I think ways that um, we've tried to get around that is um, one of our, our core values is instilling clarity. And I think as an employer, employer, if you're, um, uh, my Kentucky came out right there. Um, <laughs> as an employer, I think one of your biggest duties is to help people feel equipped for the job that they're doing and, and give them clear guidance on the job they need to do. Um, we don't do this perfectly um, at, by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we've realized that that's really a big need that we need to have some kind of system in place um, and if you're, I know you're a big reader, um, you haven't hit measure what matters. With I have not, Jim, no. Jim Dewar. Jim um, Dewar? Jim Dewar. Um, and it's the, uh, OKR system. So objective and then key results. So kind of, we once a quarter take the company and say, okay, what are our top goals as an organization? Um, and set an objective for that. So, you know, one of ours was, um, to shift the paradigm in the whiskey market by launching a debt fund, right? Um, well, that sounds really cool, right? That's a big, squishy, lofty objective. Um, how do you know if you've shifted the paradigm? Um, so then that's where the key results come into play. And so you set specific, you know, all those great things of a goal, time bound, actionable, right? Key results that are gonna happen in the next 90 days that reinforce that objective. And so we go through once a quarter, set our company objectives, then set the group objectives um, for each of the different groups, and then individuals go and set their objectives and key results that all kind of funnel up towards the top. And I think that it helps with, um, it, it helps with people knowing, you know, where to row, how, how hard they need to row, when, do they, when can they stop, all that good stuff um, in terms of their individual contribution. But for a rapidly growing company, it also helps folks on a daily basis with priority. Uh, and okay, I'm being asked to do five different things. Well, one of these very clearly influences our top company objective. I should probably pick that one first over this other stuff. So I think, you know, young startups, growing companies, um, priorities, prioritization is such an issue. And so again, uh, it sounds like we have it all figured out and everybody just works great, but it's not the case, but, um, at least it, it gets us going in the right direction. Um, yeah. so that's been one of the larger kind of initiatives that we've launched to help with that. Yeah. I think it's huge to instill clarity, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. you know, one thing I think that, in my opinion, the most crucial, you know, thing that you need to do as a, as an organization is communicate properly. And I think, you know, so many, so many people are not communicating, well, what is the priority and what is the top objective and what's our, what's our mission and what are we doing? So people are running around like chickens with their head cut off. So taking time and instilling clarity in terms of what your own vision is, and then instilling clarity with others that are becoming a part of your organization and saying, here's how you can prioritize and here's an easy, you know, sort of concept in terms of directing your own behavior is huge. Um, so talk to me about communication. I mean, is that, are you guys working with your individual employees uh, on a, on a 90 day kind of basis and saying, Hey, look, let's work together on instilling your own sort of objectives and, and here's what you're looking to accomplish or, or how are you working towards that? Yeah. Um, 
always a work in progress. Um, you know, and again, uh, just 18 months ago, we could all gather in one conference room and have an all hands. And now we have to like squabble together in a big open area and it's very awkward. But, um, I think what we strive for is a communication rhythm. So with that quarterly all hands or quarterly setting of goals, we do an all hands meeting, um, we take that each month as well. And so three all hands in a quarter where it's a time to do exactly what you said, come back to some of those larger operational questions, right? Like why do we exist? How do we win? Who does what, what's important right now? Um, so it's helpful to level set those each, even each month, right? Within the same quarter. Um, and then what we've strived for this, this quarter is having an individual, just a weekly one-on-one -on -one with your employees um, and your your direct supervisor of a check-in on, you know, hey, how you're doing, but then also coming back to those individual goals and um, just touching them once a week. Um, you know, we um, have, we had a couple of employees that recently um, started their own company um, and Venture First was an investor in that company. Um, we we're really excited for them. It actually fits great into the ecosystem of what we're trying to build. Um, but that was some of their biggest feedback in the exit interview is, you know, um, that we actually don't do that very well um, and uh, provide that clarity um, to our internal stakeholders as much as our external stakeholders and clients. So um, that was pretty, uh, was very helpful to, to kind of, you know, have that magnifying glass on yourself of, Ah, crap. All right. We got to, we got to do better here. So yeah. Facing the brutal that, facts, right. Yeah, of saying, oh, yeah. You know what it's, we're not great at this, but we can improve on that. I love the, just the attitude of, you know what, this is, this is our focus now. It's instilling clarity because what a great feedback to get. So it doesn't feel good, but it's necessary. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely necessary. And I was thankful, you know, as we look at um, building a company and, and what does our what does our company culture look like and our identity? Um, I was very happy that, you know, I've taken a couple of exit interviews and you just check some boxes and walk away. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that our employees were invested so much in venture first that they took the time to do that and, you know, put their neck out a little bit and uh, gave us some open and honest feedback. Uh, I was very thankful to see that they felt comfortable doing that. So that's awesome. So as a leader, you know, one of the things that I think is so important is to, you know, fill up your own cup, right? How do you invest in yourself? How do you create, you know, your own identity, you know, that that can serve and lead others and bring people to, you know, the magic beyond the, uh, you know, the discomfort. So how are you investing in yourself these days, Will? Well, great question. Uh, I know that I need to do that. Uh, I've, I've done a kind of a bad job of it here of late. Um, and in my personality and my, I'm, I'm very much high highs and low lows. So, uh, I, I think what I am learning to do is, um, still want to have high highs, mitigate the low lows and just be a little more consistent. Uh, so I used to do things like, you know, just work lights out and then like take a, week vacation and completely shut it off. Um, and high, high, 
Lola, right? Like, so played like, okay, well that doesn't work. So I think one of the more recent vacations I went, I set like, okay, I'm going to work because I want to. So let's just free yourself of that obligation of like, oh, you're on vacation. You must shut off your phone and do not think about work for a whole week. Let's be real. Um, so I set time on like, okay, I'm going to work for two hours in the morning because I want to, I enjoy it. Um, and I, I like to stay connected. And I think I came back refreshed from that vacation, um, more than, than anyone before. Um, so for me, it's learning, learning when I'm reaching that thermometer a little quicker of, um, okay, it's time to step back, take a little break. Um, you know, people say, you know, what, um, self-care or self-love is, is a buzzword, which I'm very happy that people are talking about that. Um, so I, I think for me, how do I manage that? It's just getting a better read of, okay, when am I running too hot? I mean, just like a car and, mm -hmm. you know, go take a, take a little break or, um, you know, for me, it's go, um, when I was training, I would, same thing, I would get too focused on something. So like go for a bike ride and don't time it. Hmm. Insane, right? Like how dare I not have heart rate metrics and hit every lap and like, no, like just go ride your bike and enjoy it. Like, so trying to make sure that I weave things like that in um, has been really important. And uh, another piece of it um, for me is, is learning to turn off the emotional side of my brain um, because I've also learned, um, you know, with, with at work, um, John and I, our CEO, are, we're in a relationship. We're like an old married couple and we can hit each other's buttons and send each other through the roof very quickly. Um, and so learning how to just uh, know, okay, this is the situation this is what's likely going to happen. I'm going to feel this way. Like I know that I'm going to get, my heart rate's going to elevate. I'm going to get sweaty. I'm going to be defensive and want to strike back. Know that coming into it. Don't let that emotional side of my brain amp it all the way up to 10. Let that feeling pass and then approach with the thinking side. And, um, it's really hard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I have seen it a couple times throughout and that that's also helped. And again, it goes back to that. I don't have that instant like up to 10 and then I come home and, you know, ugh, work is ridiculous, blah, 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 low, low complain. Like, no, like, oh, this is coming. Okay. I'm pissed. It's going to pass. All right. Time to approach the problem. So, um, I think there's, so much value in what you just said in terms of being aware of the my potential. therapist would be happy you said that because it, it takes a village to, to get that. <laughs> yeah. well it's huge though i mean i think the most successful entrepreneurs and most successful investors have an understanding that a situation is causing their emotions to go in a certain direction they don't have to get into this negative spiral 
and follow that and allow that to continue to fester and become more and more and more. And those are the folks that, you know what, we got the coronavirus, people are self-quarantining, businesses are shutting down, you know, people are going crazy. So the matter is, okay, am I fearful? Am I worried? You know, is this going to ruin my life? Or is this something, you know, another circumstance that we can just yep. take a deep breath, we can act oh. accordingly. You know, it's not easy, of course, it's, but it's, it's training. I think you have to train yourself, in my opinion, when the yes. sun is shining. It's like you know, repair the roof when it's sunny. You know, you, you, you have to build on this, I, I fully believe. So I think there's a ton of value in what you're talking about. I love it. And, and it is training. I mean, it, yeah. um, you know, the first time um, we were talking about this with my therapist, I was like, you are nuts. Like, there's no way that I'm just going to let this thing happen and not react. Um, but once you learn that, okay, whatever that circumstance may be, it's going to happen, right? Like, accept it. Um, and the only thing that you can do as an individual to protect yourself is to control how you react to it because that's all you can control, right? Um, and I think that kind of that, that stoic mindset of your emotion to a situation is what you can control. You cannot control what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, you can certainly control not amping yourself all the way up and letting it happen and then move forward the best way you can. So, but it's hard. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think it's one of the greatest growth processes that you learn in business and life, whatever. I think business and, and growing a business and, and growing a real estate portfolio and all these things is like the greatest self growth discovery process because it requires you to do things like this. Because, wow. you know, most of us who are, you know, wired to be drivers and type A and we want to do anything we can to create, you know, greatness and, you know, whatever it is it's hard for us to accept the fact that circumstances are what they are. And so the, the concept there of wait, accept, and then control how I react. How about I control how I react and then change the circumstances? Well, actually the thought behind it is the paradox is that if you accept the circumstances and you control how you react, you can actually control the circumstances further in the future, much better, uh, much more effectively. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, yeah, running a business, growing a business, growing a portfolio. I mean, whatever it is, you're going to face challenges. And yeah, yep. I think it's how do, you, how do you tackle them? How do you let that affect you? And yeah, if you, um, I think if you are not in this emotional heightened sense, then you make better decisions. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. That's what it's all about. It's Making, hard. It's so hard, but yeah. it's worth it making yeah. better decisions is so worth it because they compound over time. And that's when, you know, you really see the magic behind or beyond the discomfort is really through effective decision-making and uh, stacking all this on top of each other. So this is a ton yeah. of fun. Will. I, uh, I'm really enjoying this. I want to be respectful of your time and, and uh, transition into our rapid fire section. It's the rare air questionnaire because <sighs> You are right. uh, Mr. Mount Kilimanjaro uh, climber over there, <laughs> scaling mountaintops left and right across the planet. So we're going to continue Hopefully. to push, push, the, uh, push the bounds here. And, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about books. I'd be curious to know what are two or three of the most impactful books that you've read? 
Um, I saw this on the, the pre-questionnaire and I was, need to think about it. Um, so I will say the first one, I'm, I'm actually reading it right now, um, but the Daily Stoic, mm. I don't know if you've read that or not, but um, you know, just that nice little nugget for me each morning of um, ideas behind um, the Stoic mindset, I think has been really helpful. Um, you know, rich dad, poor dad was super impactful of like, okay, there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to kind of think about wealth. Um, and, you know, I, I think if I would go way back, like, um, I, I just love this. And, and some people have talked about this a mindset of abundance and like the giving tree, like mm. growing up, like yeah. that book was just so it's, it's a little childhood book that just sticks with you. But like, um, and I think that that's really important for, as we, you know, go down this, um, I don't want to get too crazy. Like, I feel like our world with social media and um, influencers and all this, it's kind of all about me. And I think to be uncommon is to have that mindset of, you know, help others first and then good things are going to come. Um, so that's awesome. So I like that book. It's a good book. Yeah, man, I wouldn't have, I would have never thought about that. I actually remember reading that as a kid and uh, who knows, man, the, the little seeds that are planted in your mind through reading yeah, a book like The Giving absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, The Daily Stoic is uh, Ryan Holiday. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes to all these books, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I would imagine everybody listening knows. Uh, yeah, that's, Dad, a, Poor Dad. that's probably an easy one. Yeah, that uh, certainly is a, is a game changer. It's a mindset shifter. Um, so what, what, aside from what we've talked about today, what would you say the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis would be? I think just similar to what we've talked about, but just showing up. Um, and you know, I, I think, um, showing up and, and being present, I think is, is a way that any individual right now can elevate their life. Right. Um, whether that is sitting at couch on the home with at home with your partner and not being on the phone and being there for them, even if it's like watching TV, um, whether it's being in a meeting and actually paying attention, um, mm -hmm. or, you know, coming on a show and giving you your, your undivided attention. I think that, um, showing up and, and giving somebody your, focus and your attention is, uh, is uncommon these days and it helps elevate your life. Yeah. I had this conversation with somebody literally yesterday and we both agreed that presence is a superpower, especially in today's day and age. I mean, we've got so many things coming at us in so many different directions. If you can be present where you are, it's not an easy thing to do, but how wow. worthwhile is that? You know, it's yeah. awesome. So what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? I think I go back to trying to um, instill in people that they should leave something better than where they found it. Um, you know, and whether that be the fraternity that we came into, right? Work hard to make it better. Um, whether it's the, the business, whether it's um, on the mountain and bending down and picking up a piece of trash that's not yours. Um, so I think 
you know, giving people that mindset of, Hey, let's show up and, and make this place better um, than where you found it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and especially when no one's looking, you know, when there's nothing to be gained, uh, yeah. what a, what a concept to be able to kind of, you know, really create something that you can be proud of and create a, you know, a character that can, you can be proud of. And man, this has been a ton of fun. Will. I really appreciate you taking time and any parting yeah. thoughts or words of wisdom for elevate nation. <sighs> keep doing what you all are doing. Um, I think that uh, just by coming and, and listening to shows that encourage you to think in a positive mindset and that you have the ability to do these things, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Rock it out. Let's, let's have some good, uh, good ripples throughout the world because we need it. So. Yeah. Feed your mind with positive information. Guard the gates of your mind from the negativity, oh, yeah. the fear, the doubt, the uncertainty. And, uh, you know, you have everything within you to do anything you want. And Will, you certainly have showed us that today, man. Really, really appreciate it. It's been so much Thanks, fun sir. to have you on the show. What's, yeah. the, what's the best way for Elevate Nation to, uh, to learn more about you and what you're doing at Venture First? Um. I'm going to probably be real old school and throw out the venturefirst.com website. Um, you know, <laughs> if that's the, old school, what, what year are you living in? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, so I, again, a lot of what I do is, is work still. So, um, yeah, you can find me that way. Um, you know, on Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, and reach out. Happy yeah, you to can answer questions. You can find Will on Instagram, WLB underscore 859. So take a look there, find him, follow him, cheer him on on his next Ironman because I know he's doing big things there. And, That's right. And obviously we'll be looking out for the the next innovative thought from you and, and, uh, and Venture First. But uh, man, uh, I want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to this episode because there's so much there. And I know that we've just, you know, it was really kind of spontaneous in our discussion today, but I know I learned a lot and uh, there's many distinctions that I have written down here. So I'd encourage you to take notes, you know, listen to it again, share this with someone else because I say it time and time again, but the teacher is who learns the most. And when you teach to someone else, it really anchors into your own understanding and you can create something great in your life, but don't forget to take massive action because that's what it's really all about. You know, your ideas are only potential power. You know, knowledge is only potential power, but action is really where it, 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 you know, the magic happens and, and pushing past that discomfort is where that magic happens. So with that said, Will, thanks again for being on the show. Really, really appreciate you taking time. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Elevate Nation. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.